0: Suing Fido, it's a bad case of allergies versus an emotional support animal. Oh yeah, there's a landlord and the Supreme Court of Iowa too. Christopher Warnock walks us through the mess. I'm Lawrence Coletti and this is Legal Talk Today. Hello, audience. Hope everyone out there is having a great day. We've got a terrific show for you. It's definitely one of those uh, topics that's been a matter of my personal curiosity for years. But before we get to all that, we'd like to thank our sponsor, NBI, the National Business Institute. Attorneys have trusted NBI with their CLE needs for over 35 years. Visit nbi-sems.com today to find out why. And don't forget to use their promo code, LegalTalkNBI, to get $100 off your next CLE course. All right, Chris, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hey, great. Great to be here. (laughs) Glad to hear that. Glad to hear that. So Chris, let me do a little setup for the audience today. So audience, today our show is about competing accommodations in a rental, residential rental situation. And so on one end of the spectrum, there's a tenant with very severe pet allergies who comes to rent an apartment with a strict no pet policy. That's why she wanted to go there. And then on the other side of the coin is another tenant who subsequently rents at the same apartment building. And then after that seeks to get an accommodation for an emotional support animal. So a conflict. And so Chris, you know, I have been very curious about these conflicts with emotional support animals ever since I started seeing more people flying with their dogs. And so look, I love dogs. Dogs don't bother me, but I understand they're not everybody's cup of tea and some people are really allergic to them. So you know, your case went all the way before the Supreme Court of Iowa. So just as an opening question, tell us about it, you know, discuss some of the facts and where we are today. And I think you've done a great setup.
1: I mean, the, the beauty of this case is the simplicity of it, is you've got my client, Karen Cohen, who's got these severe allergies, even life-threatening, the magistrate found. Whereas you got David Clark, on the other hand, the tenant, he lived down the hall from her. He's got ADD. He's got severe anxiety. He's got a, pres- a psychiatrist prescribing this emotional support animal. So we've got two legitimate... Parties, you've got rights in conflict. What do you do? So that was the question that took us all the way
0: up to the Iowa Supreme Court. Okay, and then as I understand it, I mean, uh, from what I read in the decision, everybody seemed to try to do everything they could to make a bad situation work. I mean, even the landlord, you know, uh, was really trying to accommodate both. Asked them to use different staircases, and you know, your client who had the horrible allergies, she was doing everything she could with medications, going to the doctor, you know, providing all the information they possibly could. So. I also observed from the decision that the Iowa Supreme Court, you know, they made their decision on very narrow grounds, which I guess is not unusual for a Supreme Court. But uh, walk us through those narrow grounds by which they made their decision.
1: Yeah, I guess I would say that while they say it was narrow, I think it's a pretty broad decision. I mean, they've stepped into this area. They've made an imprint. This is the first case that I've seen nationally by any appellate court. In fact, any court to squarely face these issues. So what they said, look, there's a conflict. These two couldn't live together. And we're going to look at two things to resolve this. We're going to look at what they call priority in time from a nuisance kind of situation. And then we're going to look at the direct health threat. Now, direct health threat comes right out of the statute. And it's not a reasonable accommodation for the disabled if it's a direct health threat. They said, yep, that allergy, that's pretty severe. So we're going to say that's a direct health threat. And then also priority in time. When the guy with the dog asked for the dog, my client with the allergy was already there. So she, in a sense, she was there first. So it's not down to the least stuff, but, you know, when does a nuisance start? But um, those two factors, that being there first before he asked for the dog and then that direct health threat, those were the basis that the uh, Iowa Supreme Court decided the case on.
0: Yeah, my take on the, reading the decision was they were really wanting to walk away from setting priorities of need based on accommodation. So they didn't want to like set up a, a spreadsheet saying, you know, in this case, this one trumps versus that one trumps. And so they wanted to steer away from that as much as they could. But uh, matter of curiosity question, I noticed this case started in the uh, small claims court. And so, you know, I'm pretty familiar with the small claims, at least in Colorado. And, you know, occasionally they'll offer you uh, an option to do binding mediation and with all the parties involved being so reasonable, I'm surprised that uh, you all didn't get uh, asked to do some type of mediation there. What was the, the story behind that? Um, basically, if there was anything we could have done, I think we would have done it. But the
1: problem was, what do you do? How, how do you deal with these, you know, rights in conflict without totally trampling over one side or the other? And, you know, really up till now, it's the allergic people that got trampled. You know, the, all the, a lot of the emphasis has been put on the emotional support animal, making sure that, that that's accommodated, but there really hasn't been enough attention paid to allergic people. And so, in, in this case, the uh, Mr. Clark, he didn't feel that way, but we couldn't figure out a solution. We needed to take it to Supreme Court because we needed them to weigh in and say, "Hey, here's the solution," which is which is what they did.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna take my lawyer hat off for just a second and put on my taxpayer hat and my citizen hat. You know, you know there's a federal law out there, and Iowa obviously has a very complementary uh, set of laws uh, regarding. Residential and accommodations and things like that. And so, what I found so surprising is that it was very little guidance coming from these laws that are fairly complicated in amongst themselves. So, did you find that similarly frustrating with your lawyer hat on? Here's the thing. I mean, if you look at the
1: the Federal Fair Housing Act or the Iowa Civil Rights Act, they say nothing about emotional support animals. That's all coming from precedent. So, it's not surprising that it hasn't been worked out. It's it's brand new. I mean, these emotional support animals have been haven't been around for I don't think they've been around for a decade. So we're right in the beginning stages of it. And that's what I think is great about this case is that the Supreme Court waited in there and said, okay, we're going to get our hands dirty. We're going to try to figure this out and we're, we're going to look at both sides. We're going to try to be fair to everybody.
0: And as I understand it, the the landlord could have gotten totally out of this if they had uh, gone to the Iowa Code Section Two Sixteen Eight A Three B. There was like an out, like a safety hatch provision there that would allow that uh, you know them out of that equation where they were having to uh, mitigate between two concurrent accommodations. So could you uh, you know bring us a little more information on that? You know that's funny because we, the
1: Iowa uses a, a variation of the Uniform Residential Landlord Tenant Act. And you know what? I think that was written by a bunch of professors because half of it you can't use. So in practice, I mean, nobody, I don't ever seen anyone actually use that section in practice. So, But now the Supreme Court's mentioned, I'm like, hey, that's great. We'll use that. We'll all start working on that from now on. But that's why they didn't use it was because no one ever does use it. And so it's sort of a dusty part of the law that the Supreme Court said, hey, this really works. Let's pay attention to it. So that's kind of the backstory on that.
0: All right, I'm going to put my uh, taxpayer citizen hat back on. So part of the facts were uh, early on the landlord, uh, when the second-in-time tenant, uh, David Clark, came forward and said, hey, I-, I would like to get an accommodation for a service animal. The landlord knew that it's a pet-free building and reached out to the Iowa Civil Rights Commission and followed the recommendation not to ask David to move to a different building. And apparently the property owners, they had other buildings that allowed pets. And I I don't know the situation. I don't know how far away the buildings were, if they were very similar or they're all in the same basic complex. But the Iowa Civil Rights Commission said, yeah, we don't recommend doing that. We recommend that you uh, try to work this out, keep them in the same Building, and then what I thought and this is the the part that's frustrating to me as a citizen and taxpayer. The Supreme Court kind of came down hard on the landlord. You know, you can't rely on the opinion of the Iowa Civil Rights Commission as law. And I guess uh, you know, with the not the lawyer hat, but the citizen hat, is frustrated with that. This is an organization that you're supposed to be able to reach out to, and I guess you can't get an opinion. So I just wanted to uh, kind of pick your brain on thoughts regarding that.
1: Well, you know, it's funny is that, you know, Iowa City, where I, where we are, they have a Human Rights Commission too, and they're in conflict with the Iowa, the state Civil Rights Commission. They had different, you know, so you are getting two different things. So it's difficult. You know, the other thing for the, in defense of the Iowa Civil Rights Commission, the, you know, they're trying to be helpful if you give them a call, but then it's a lot more work. I don't even know if they have a process, like a tax letter or something to, to give you that kind of advice. So, you know, it's just hard. I mean, the landlord really did get caught in the middle here. And... You know, the other problem is that this is brand new. We're, we're cutting new ground. So it's 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 something that you know there really haven't been any cases about. So it's hard for the Civil Rights Commission to even give advice because they don't know how it's gonna come out. So until it went up to the Supreme Court, nobody knew what the result was gonna be. So it's just one of those things. The other thing I would say is that as a landlord, that the Civil Rights Commission has been much more pro-tenant. So and then it's not necessarily what the court's gonna rule. So even if they've given the advice. That may not be the way you want to go. I mean, this landlord was willing to to take it up. They had to take the chance on the result, and um, and I think got a result that you know who knows how it would have been gone if just stayed with the human rights commission. So.
0: Well, we just got a couple minutes left, but I want to hit a couple of uh, questions here. And so um, I think these hypotheticals uh, will really highlight what narrow grounds I think that this case kind of came down. I know you said it was a little bit broader than that, but I wanted to maybe switch some facts around uh, with you and see how you might think that the uh, Iowa Supreme Court would have decided. So let's switch out the animal. So instead of an emotional support animal, let's say that the other tenant was blind and that this was a service animal. Do you think the call would have been the same? It's a much harder case, you know. It's you know obviously I had that question asked to me
1: directly at oral argument by one of the justices who then dissented, and I said, you know what? If it's a direct health threat, I mean, the the doctor, her doctor, certainly thought she could die from this. You know, it's still that's what the statute says: direct health threat. I mean, if you had a blind person whose dog kept biting people, would they get to keep it? I mean, what we have with these situations is rights and conflict. And so there's never gonna be an easy, simple solution. We're gonna to have to go in and get our hands dirty and try to make sure that both sides get their rights considered. And um, that was one of the, probably the key thing for me in this case was that I just felt like the, the allergic client, the allergic people in general had not been treated fairly, that they'd been sort of swept aside. And, but I didn't want to turn around and do the same thing to emotional support animals either. But yeah, the service animal stuff, that would have been a harder case. On the other hand, service animals, people have been saying, oh, I can train my dog to bark and that's a service animal. So there's different types of service animals, too. I mean, that's a whole different, you know, what kind of service animal is it? So very difficult issues.
0: All right, Chris, I've got just one more hypothetical for you. This one is based a little bit more on time since the Iowa Supreme Court paid particular attention to who was first in time on the lease. So let's switch the fact pattern just a little bit. Let's say that David Clark, that other tenant, signed his lease, moved in first, and then your client signs her lease and then moves in. Now, after both of them are living in the building, then David decides to get his accommodation. How does that change of facts affect the case?
1: I think that the Supreme Court kind of inartfully drew that section because this comes from nuisance law. And it's very clear in nuisance law in iowa and generally that it's not the the who owned it first or who moved in first but when the nuisance starts so when the problem starts and here the question would be when it was the accommodation requested and because the tenant with the allergy was there before the accommodation was requested then she's still first in time but if you had a situation where the guy with the dog moved in he had the dog and then the allergic person tried to move in then she would lose. She wouldn't be first in time. So it's not the lease ownership or sign the lease or the possession. It's really when does the, when was the accommodation requested. And that's the point that we look at for who's first.
0: Okay. Last question for you. you know, uh, you've got the reverse remand from the, the Supreme Court of Iowa, but uh, what, what's next for you and your client? Basically, the case is going to go back to the district court
1: and then they'll you know, enter judgment for her for a month's rent. I mean, that's what we ask for is damages. And, um, the thing about this is that we're talking about students in Iowa city. This is what the university of Iowa. So, uh, Ms. Clark, she uh, finished up her lease. She graduated and she's off living her life now. So that's, you know, the process was so long. It took three years to get there. So she's kind of gone off and, and done her own thing in that time period. But what she's done though, she was excited about the case. Mr. Clark was excited about the case. I think everyone was interested in it. They've really made some great precedent, and it's a it's you know groundbreaking. There's like I said, no other case dealing with these
0: issues throughout the United States. I know I said that was the last question, but I lied. But uh, you know, I just found that so remarkable. That's only one month's rent that your client is looking for after all this. So obviously, you're not making any money off this case. But uh, you know, I. I don't know. Why was it only one month's rent that your client was looking for in the very beginning? It just seems like she suffered so much with the allergies. I mean, clearly could not enjoy the apartment. And you know, me personally, putting my citizen's hat back on, I would ask Iowa to give everybody involved in this case one year no taxes. That would have been what I asked for. But I understand (laughs) you can't get that. But go ahead. You
1: know, it's funny because last night I was watching you know the the movie about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you know, on the basis of sex, and she said to the guy. You know, it's, it's, I'm not doing this for the money, you know? And th- that this case was not about money because by the time we, we, we got through the case, it was, you know, there's nothing left. And really you can't give her back the suffering that she gave. And she said, you know what? She wasn't even that upset at the guy with the dog, you know? She, we just wanted to work it out so that nobody, this didn't happen to anyone else in the future. And so that's what was really key about this case was that everybody cared about everyone else and wanted to find a reasonable solution, and then wanted to have, make sure that the suffering and difficulty was resolved as much as possible. So I think it's been very successful. I've been very happy with how this has come out. And it's not just the winning, but it's getting a ruling that is workable. I think this is this got some definite guidance in here for landlords and tenants. And it's definitely something to work from moving forward to make sure that everybody's rights are taken into consideration and and that everybody's suffering and pain is taken seriously.
0: Well, from that angle, I think you've done some uh, incredible work here. And maybe not about the money, but uh, you're, you're making another decision easier for somebody else. So thank you for doing that, Chris. And thanks for joining us today. Hey, it's been great to be here. And also, thank you to our listeners for tuning in. And If you like what you heard, please rate us in your favorite podcasting app. Also, 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 I'd like to thank our sponsor one more time for making this program possible. The NBI, the National Business Institute at nbi-sems.com. Don't forget their promo code, Legal Talk NBI to receive $100 off your next CLE. This has been Legal Talk Today. I'm Lawrence Coletti. Have a great day, everybody.